Now, as several of you know, we have been um, exploring the Psalms together for the past couple of weeks. We're going to continue to do this through um, Thanksgiving up until the beginning of the Advent season, preparing for Christmas. And the way we're doing this is we there are there are ways that people have kind of organized the Psalms into different categories. And I talked about the categories. This, this isn't necessarily the only way to do it, but this is one of the ways that the Psalms can be categorized. Psalms of praise we talked about and hymns, which are a little bit more focused on praising God for his provision. Um, there's laments and precatory Psalms we'll talk about next week. Psalms of remembrance, wisdom Psalms, and thanksgiving Psalms. And so today we're going to focus on lament Psalms. And the way we're doing this is we are all engaging in this together. I've talked about the fact that psalms are songs. They are meant to be sung uh, when they were originally written. And song has an, a different effect on us than just written word or spoken word. Right? We can study the words of the psalms and understand the meaning of what is being said, but to really get at what is being expressed. Because sometimes... What's expressed in song is, is more metaphorical sometimes, or it reaches us at a deeper point in our hearts than just in our minds. So we want to remember that these are songs, and I want us to read them together. I want us to talk about them together because songs impact us in different ways. I want to hear from you what, what effect these psalms are having in your lives. And so I want to encourage you to share. So my approach to this exploration of the psalms is to come up with a list of the psalms that fit in that category. I've, I've highlighted a few that I want to have us read through, and then we'll just talk about them a little bit and see how, the, how they impact us. Now to get ready for today, let me just talk about what lament is. Um, there's my definition. Oh my goodness. If you look up at the definition of lament online, you'll find that it's, it's an expression of deep sorrow or distress. Um, but really, I think the biblical idea behind lament goes a little bit for, um, deeper than that. Um, oh my goodness. What did I print here? <laughs> Excuse me for a moment as I find the part that I know I wrote. There we go. Definition of lament is a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. But as I said, there's more to it than that. Because a lament isn't just complaining about pain and grief in our life. It goes deeper and further than that. Um, in fact, a simple idea of lament, just being crying out in pain, often leads Christians to avoid expressing grief and sorrow. I think we, we as Christians at least in my experience, try to hold those kind of feelings back because they're negative feelings. We're not supposed to feel that way if we understand who the Lord is. We're supposed to be filled with joy and happiness because the Lord provides for us. We're in, and we tend to have this idea in the church today that if you're feeling grief and pain, if you're struggling, if you're down and depressed, that there's something wrong with your faith. And so we try to hide it away. But none of that is true. 
and actually does us harm if we try to hold on to those things or ignore pain and grief in our lives. They, and, and, and having those ideas about pain and grief are actually rooted in, a, in an, a misunderstanding about who God is and what faith in him looks like and how he interacts in our life. And we need to have appropriate outlets for the pain and grief that we do experience in this broken world. And the Psalms of lament are great examples of how to do that in a faith-filled way. So lament certainly does involve expressing sadness and grief and sorrow, but there's a purpose behind it. It's focused on sharing grief in a way that acknowledges the harsh realities of life, but also seeks to put that grief into a larger context, that God is good and God does provide and care for us. Or it's simply in the context of of having a shared grief. There's something powerful about sharing your grief with those who will love you and accept you through it, even if there's no immediate relief or answer for it, just knowing that you're not alone sometimes makes all the difference in the world. And so lament helps you endure with hope in the future. And in the case of biblical lament, it it serves to reinforce your understanding of who God is and how he interacts with us and to deepen your faith in him. And as I was thinking about this for today, I've realized that the most difficult experiences in my life are the ones that have taught me the most about holding on to God. And if it hadn't been for those experiences, I may not understand how faithful God is and how valuable it is to trust and hold on to him. And so a lament allows us to process through pain in a healthy way, in a way that produces more faith. So let's keep that in mind as we explore these psalms together. Um, Let me put up a list that I have come up with of psalms of lament. I emailed this out to the the church yesterday. If you didn't see it, you probably should have gotten an email if you're on our mailing list of this entire list. We are not going to get through this list this morning. There's just way too much there. All right, so I've picked out a few um, that I thought would be meaningful. If you happen to, to see one that you think would be really important to share as well, let me know. But I want to start with a, a really basic one, Psalm 3. Let's go ahead and I'll go ahead and read that one. As we go on, if you'd like to read any of these, please just let me know. I'd love to invite others to read up, read as well. But let me read Psalm 3, and we'll begin there. And if you have a Bible, Go ahead and open up to that. Psalms is really easy to find the Bible because you're just trying to find the center of the Bible. And then you'll be in Psalms, and then you can go from there. This is a psalm written by King David when he fled from his son, Absalom, who was trying to kill him. It says, O Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you are a shield around me, O God, my glorious one, who lifts up my head. To the Lord I cry aloud, and he answers me from his holy hill. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear for the tens of thousands drawn up against me on every side. Arise, O Lord, deliver me, O my God, 
for you have struck all my enemies on the jaw. You have broken the teeth of the wicked. For the Lord, or from the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. So as I said, this is a pretty basic psalm of lament. The ones that follow Psalms 4 through 7 are similar, but have some other specific things that we could look at if we were to dig into them. But there's a couple points to consider in Psalm 3 right away. And then uh, let me just share those, and then I'd love to hear from you a little bit more. So in this, it begins with David expressing his distress about people rising up against him. He's feeling hurt. He's feeling attacked. He's feeling persecuted. He is literally being attacked at this point in his life. But we experience a similar kind of feeling when we have stresses and anxieties in our life. And what strikes me the first when I read this psalm is verse 5, when he says, I lie down and sleep and I wake again because the Lord sustains me. Because I think about the very stressful and anxiety-ridden times of my life. How well do you sleep during those times? I'm asking you. Go ahead and answer. <laughs> Not very well, right? And yet, this is a great expression of faith in the fact that he does lie down and sleep and wakes again because the Lord sustains him, right? In the midst of great stress and trial in his life, he is able to find rest because he knows the Lord. He knows the Lord will sustain him. And it takes a great deal of faith in those times to just set it all aside for a few hours and say, you know what, Lord, I trust that you are with me and I'm just going to rest because I know I need to rest right now. And that's where the, 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 the faith is being expressed in this psalm to begin with, knowing that God will sustain him through the night. And then he says... Um, I will not fear the tens of thousands drawn up against me on every side. And at this moment, God hasn't eliminated all the worry. God hasn't taken all the enemies away, and yet he's still expressing faith in the Lord. And it's important to remember that God doesn't always fix everything for us. He doesn't always take the pain away. He doesn't always remove all the enemies that might be chasing you down, right? And yet we can find peace and security even when God doesn't take the pain away because he sustains us. And there's, there's a gift in that, that God's provision is that he will continue to sustain you even through a difficult trial. There have been many people who have turned away from faith because they believed that God's protection and provision meant that he would remove all harm from their lives. And then when life got difficult, they're like, where's God? What happened? I thought he was supposed to fix this for me. But God never promised to make life easy for us. In fact, if he was going to make everything easy for, say, Kurt, that means God would have to control everyone and everyone else to make sure Kurt's life was good. And that's great. That would be great. <laughs> but do you see how God can't, is not going to do that? He's not going to make life all about you. Right? And so God doesn't take us out of this broken world. And if God was to come and remove all sin and evil today, praise God for that moment, but that would mean the time of grace has come to an end. It's time for judgment. And God does not want to anyone to suffer. 
And so in the midst of living in this time of sin and brokenness, of experiencing God's grace in our lives, we also experience the brokenness of the world because we await that time when God will make things right and new. It just hasn't come yet. And so the answer isn't always that God will fix things. And yet sometimes he does. And so the end of the psalm, David still continues to cry out, Arise, O Lord, and deliver me, O my God. He, he trusts that God can and will do something, even if it hasn't happened yet. And that's part of the perseverance that we gain through lament as well, is that we remember that even if God hasn't answered my cry today, maybe he will tomorrow. But even if he doesn't, I know he's sustaining me and loving me and caring for me in ways that I cannot see. So there's a lot that I see in that psalm that I want to start us out with, but is there anything that you see in this psalm that you would want to express and share with us before we go on? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, right? Right, yeah. It's pretty, right, there wasn't just one person after David praying about this whole movement against him that arose started with Absalom but yeah and that can be very stressful any other thoughts let's share this one just kind of set things up for us as we continue on to that idea of we experience lots of things in this life and how can we faithfully bring those things to God and allow him to um, care for us in the in the midst of pain and suffering. All right, what was the next one I want to take a look at? Um, I wrote down: Have you ever thought or felt as though the world is falling apart? There's no good to be found anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> You felt that way, right? You felt that way, right? You look around, and you're like, what is going on around here? Everything is terrible. Well, guess what? King David felt the same way, and he wrote about it in Psalm 12. So that's the next one we're going to look at. Would anyone like to read Psalm 12 for us? And if not, I will. But you know. You'll read it? Okay. Come on up. Save, O Lord, for the godly one is gone, for the faithful have vanished from among the children of men. Everyone utters lies to his neighbor and 
with flattering lips and a double heart they speak. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips, the tongues that make great boasts, those who say with our tongues we will prevail, our lips are with us, who is master over us? Because the poor are plundered, because the needy groan, I will now arise, says the Lord. I will place him in the safety for which he longs. The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. You, O Lord, will keep them. You will guard us from this generation forever. On every side the wicked prowl, as vileness is exalted among the children of men. That's all right. What kind of emotion do you think David is expressing in this psalm? What do you think? Anger is what I think too. Right? When I read the beginning of this, it kind of goes in my mind. Help, Lord, for the godly are no more. The faithful have vanished from among men. Everyone lies to his neighbor. Their flattering lips speak deception. May the Lord cut off every flattering lip from every boastful tongue. Right? I think he's pretty angry about what he's seeing going on in the world. Yeah, go ahead. Yes. Yes. It can be frustrating, right? Do you ever feel hopeless when you look around at the world? Even just for a moment? Please. Please, Lord. Come now. Please, Lord. Fix something. Fix this. Right? It's a common experience that we all have, isn't it? When you see things just crumbling around you and it seems that everybody wants to do wrong. And go back to, to Genesis before the flood. I, I don't remember the, the reference right now. I just look it up. But everyone was doing, you know, the thought of every man was only wicked every, all the time is what the Bible says. And it feels that way today sometimes. Especially if you're on social media. Amen. I agree. Yeah. And it seems like everyone is so ready to just jump in and retaliate and attack and right. And you can feel like there's no place to go. And so where did David turn? To the Lord. And of course he said, may the Lord cut off all the flattering lips and every boastful tongue. He's asking God, have you ever done that? I don't, I don't know if I've ever shared this out loud with anyone, but here's some of my prayers sometimes. Lord, I am so upset. You need to do something about this now. Have you ever prayed like that? I have. Like, I can't do anything about this. You've got to fix something. Right? It's okay to express that to the Lord because you're angry. And God knows what he's saying. He built us to be angry at times. That's part of our biology. And then he writes, quoting the Lord, right? He's putting himself in the place of the Lord as he writes this psalm. And 
the, the Lord says, I will now arise. I will protect them from those who malign them. And the words of the Lord are flawless, like silver refined in a furnace of clay, purified several, seven times. Lord, you will keep us safe and protect us from such people forever. As the wicked freely strut about when what is vile is honored among men. Do you see how he turns now to an expression of faith? Do you see that? Have you been there? Right. You, you get to that point. I've had so many conversations with people about what's happening in the world, and we just keep going round and round about, oh, there's this, and there's that, and there's that, and that. And I've gotten to where I just have to cut it off at some point for my own sake and said, but God is in control. And that's basically what David is saying here in this psalm. But God is in control. God will protect his people. It may not happen today, it may not happen tomorrow, but God will protect and keep his people safe forever. We have eternity to be with the Lord. God does protect, and the words of the Lord are true and flawless. And so, I mean, it's easy to get caught up in all that stuff in the world and say, well, forget it, why am I trying to be good? Right? Why don't I just join them? But David is, again, reminding himself that, you know, God's word is flawless. I'm going to hold to God's word. I'm going to be a man of integrity, if, even if nobody else is. And I'm going to trust that God will provide. That's the kind of strength that comes from lament, an angry lament in this case. Like, God, what is going on around here? And just being able to express that and process that with the Lord can, can lead us to the point of saying, okay, I got it out. I am angry. I am frustrated. But you know what? I'm going to hang on to the Lord. I'm going to remember that He is good. Does that make sense? Any other thoughts you want to add to that? Yeah, Lynn. Right. Yeah. Well, I think what you, what you just said is very important. You have to put yourself in the place of the person who's feeling that frustration, that fear, that persecution. There's another one here that's focused on persecution. If you've experienced that kind of stuff in life, you know what it you know where they're coming from this thing. Lord, you need to stop these people. You need to do something. And it can sound if you're if you're not understanding that perspective, it can sound violent and harsh. We also you know know that this was a different time in human history where there was more war and fighting. Well, I take that back. Forget strike that completely. Just go somewhere else in the world today and you will find similar kinds of experiences. And you'll have people who, who are literally crying out for God to protect them from the enemy who's about to invade their, their land. And so from that perspective, yeah, you're going to ask God, God, stop these people. Eliminate them. And that's, that's the perspective we need to understand when we read those kinds of things. It's not that God is just this violent, terrible person, terrible deity. He's... These are people 
who, who need help. And it's okay when you need help to say, God, I need you to do something. Yeah, it's God does get angry and God is just and he wants to set things right, right? There is a reality about life that we have to understand that sometimes, yeah, we God needs to step in and execute justice. Um, and that doesn't always look nice for everybody. If you're being unjust, if you're being unkind and evil towards somebody else, you ought to expect that God might stop you. Right? Yes. Yes. Right. That's exactly that's exactly the, the situation. Right? God's not gonna just when when we say God loves, it doesn't mean just like, oh, I love you and you can just do whatever you want and who cares and We'll all be great because, no, that actually makes the world unsafe for everybody. What's that? It does create monsters because we are inherently sinful. That's, that's the, the root of the matter. So, yeah, I think that's, that, that's a good point to bring up, though, Lynn. I think you, because it can be hard to read some of those sometimes. Unless we're really understanding where they're coming from. And I think it's also understand. Part of the understanding of these are songs, right? Sometimes in song, we express things with hyperbole, right? So he might not actually be thinking, God, come and wipe out everyone and these people who are attacking me, but you're going to express that in song as a hyperbole for what you want the Lord to do. So I think those are important factors to consider. All right, let's go on to the next psalm, Psalm 13. Why don't I go ahead and read this one? It says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord for he has been good to me. Now just read those first couple verses. And have you ever expressed something similar yourself? How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? Ever felt that way? I have. It just seems like nothing is going the way you expected. You cry out to God, you pray, you feel like you're trying your best to be a righteous person and things just don't work. You're struggling, you feel lost and forgotten. You're not the only one that feels that way. And it's okay to express that to the Lord. And say, Lord, where are you? But don't remain there. Right? That's that's what David shows us here. You don't, you don't because what is the truth? 
that we know, even if you don't feel it in your heart? What is the truth about God? He does love you. Does he abandon you? No, never. One of my absolute favorite passages in the Bible is Romans 8. I have to read it. Romans 8. Um, where is it? 38. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor neither present nor future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Nothing will separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And it's not because of us, it's because of him. He will never leave you or forsake you. And so in those moments when we are feeling forgotten, and alone, and we have to wrestle with our thoughts every day. We're lost in those anxious thoughts. There is peace to be found simply in coming back to the truth that God has offered us salvation, that he is with us, and we can sing to the Lord, for he has been good. Any other thoughts on that psalm? I think so. these are some of my favorite psalms because they, they resonate so much with our life experiences that we often hold within our own hearts. We don't share with others too often, right? These are powerful things, yeah. Yeah? Right, yes. A thousand years is like a day to the Lord. I think God has a much different sense of time than we do. And, you know, I think it's important to, to acknowledge at this point and to remember that when we don't feel as though God is with us, we don't, we're, we're looking at the things we want him to do. We're not looking at the things that he actually is doing. Right? We, we often lose sight of the ways that he is with us and he is showing himself to us because this thing is overwhelming us right now. And so it's good to just express it, right? It's important to express it, to get to the point of reminding ourselves that he is here. Psalm 22 is the next one I wanted to look at, which is powerful in a couple of different ways. Now open, the, this is a longer one. Um... If anyone would like to come and just read the first part of that, you can come on up. All right, Meg, why don't you read through verse 11. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night and am not silent. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. 
You are the praise of Israel. In you, our fathers put our trust. They cried to you and were saved. In you, they trusted and were not disappointed. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by men, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, yet the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast upon you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. Similar to the last one, any initial thoughts before I say anything about this one? Yeah, Becky. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought. That's exactly what I was going to express. Yes. Right? Did that first verse sound familiar to you? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is what Jesus was quoting on the cross. And that, to me, is what makes this psalm all the more powerful. And so read this, imagining these words coming from Jesus. And this is how he felt in that moment. Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? Or the part where it says, I am a worm and not a man, scorned by men and despised by the people. This is how the creator of life felt hanging on the cross. I'm a worm despised by everybody. It's heartbreaking, first of all, to think of Jesus expressing this, but it also is so relatable. Does that do anything for you to know that Jesus felt the same way we sometimes feel? This was somebody who had the closest relationship with the Father, who lived a righteous life, and yet he felt forgotten and despised and alone, at least in that one moment of his life. And the fact that Jesus could experience that and express that to the Lord, I think just speaks volumes to me about what, what God knows and God is able to handle about our lives. Does that make sense? Anything else you want to add to that? This psalm goes on just with more expressions of please, Lord, rescue me and save me. And it ends, verse 29, all the rich of the earth will feast and worship and all who go down to the dust will kneel before him, those who cannot keep themselves alive. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness to be a people yet unborn, for he has done it. And again, just coming back to that point of remembering God's goodness, remembering who he is, even in the midst of my feeling lost and despised, I remember the Lord. And I know that my hope is in him. I have often wondered to myself how anyone can experience 
the pain of living in this world without knowing the hope of the Lord. Because sometimes that's all you have, isn't it? And if you can hang on to that hope in the Lord, knowing that it's not an empty hope, it's not a blind hope, it's a hope based on the, 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 the experiences that you have and the knowledge you have that God is faithful and he will provide. He will sustain you. And that gives you strength to carry on and carry through those trials that often train us to persevere and to have um, even more strength. Um, I had a couple more highlighted, but is there any any psalms any of you wanted to highlight this morning? Oh, there. Okay. I'm glad I asked. Willow, come on up. Yeah, wow. Ha <laughs> ha. Um, I'm reading Psalm 61. Hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. From the ends of the earth I call to you. I call as my heart goes to Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge, the strong tower against my foes. I long to dwell in your tent forever and take refuge in the shelter of your wings. For you have heard my vows, O God. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Increase the day of the king's life. May he be enthroned in God's presence forever. Appoint your love and faithfulness to protect him. Then I will, then I will ever sing praise to your name and fulfill my vows day after day. So, tell us why you want to share this song. I wanted to share this song because one day I was having a really hard time and I just opened up the Bible and it came to this and it really spoke to me. And how does it speak to you? Can you tell um, me in words? Kind of. Like, I was, like, really sad. Mm -hmm. And so I just, like, I, like, prayed, hear my cry, oh, Lord, listen to my prayer. And it was really strong for me. Nice. Thank you. These are powerful words. They speak to our real life experiences. And they give us words to say, and they show us where to find faith again. Any comments from any anyone else about Psalm sixty one when you hear it, when you hear those words? I think I'll wrap up there today. Feel free to take this list and continue to study these and engage with them on your own. You may find a something that really hits where you are right now in life and gives you words to say, gives you perspective on who God is. We can begin our day saying, hear my cry, O Lord. Listen to my prayer. And end with, I will ever sing praise to your name and fulfill my vows day after day. That is what lament does for us. It helps us process through the challenges of life.
Let's pray and give thanks to the Lord together. And then we'll sing his praises at the end. Thank you, Lord, for making us the way we are. Lord, when I think about feeling angry, upset, depressed, sad, I have learned that that's part of how you created this. And so it's normal for us to experience those things. And I pray, I thank you that you give us a way to express those things to you that reminds us to have faith in you. And I pray that you would just speak to every person here. You would give them freedom to speak whatever may be on their hearts to you, knowing that they are not rejecting you, pushing you away. They are not denying you. They're not showing lack of faith. Whatever those negative things might be, help us each to know that, no, you you are willing to hear whatever is on our hearts and to love us and accept us and gently remind us that you are with us and that you do provide. I thank you, Lord, that you are a provider. Hear our prayers today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.